This episode is sponsored by Newbie Remote Conf. Newbie Remote Conf is a two-day completely virtual conference hosted by none other than Charles Max Wood. If travel expenses are an issue or you just can't afford to be away from home for two days, then join us. It's virtual. This conference is focused on people who are new to programming who want to learn what the pros know or just get a leg up in getting a job and getting into the programming community. We'll have speakers from all over the programming community to help you stay current and a Slack room where you can connect with speakers and other attendees in real time. We'll also have a live roundtable video chat for attendees and speakers, plus we'll provide the talk recordings to you within days of the conference. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another MyJS story. This week, we're talking to Lori Voss. You want to say hi? Hello, everybody. Now, you were on episode 99 of JavaScript Jabber with a nice round number there. Uh, we talked about NPM Inc. Yeah, that's uh, when NPM Inc. was a brand new thing that had just got started. Yeah, back in 2014. And here mm-hmm. we are three years later and still going strong. Indeed, going stronger than ever before. We have uh, The registry is 400 times bigger than it was the last time we spoke. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's crazy to think about. Just and, and what that means about the community, right? As far as either how many more problems are being solved in JavaScript these days in a standardized way or how much larger the community is as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. The... Uh, we do math occasionally for the purposes of working out, you know, how big is this thing going to get? Um, we think there's about 11 million, maybe 12 million JavaScript developers in the world. And NPM has seven and a half million users. Oh, wow. Uh, so something like 65% of everybody who writes JavaScript is already using NPM. Um, and we, we're pretty sure it's going to hit 100%. We don't see any reason why it wouldn't. Yeah, I, I can't think of a reason why not. I mean, unless people are just terrified of third-party libraries. I feel like that ship has sailed in JavaScript land. (laughs) That that ship has sailed in development land in general, I think. So, yeah, you know, and and all the other systems out there, you know, Ruby, Python, Perl. I mean, they all have package systems that you pull stuff down from. So, yeah. Yeah, I I had an interesting experience of going to OSCON two weeks ago. OSCON, if if you've not heard of it, is open source Uh convention, which just in and of itself feels like an anachronism these days. It's like, what isn't open source? Like everybody uses open source. Having a conference about open source software feels feels like having a conference about software. It feels way too general to be a thing. And it just shows, you know, OSCON's one of the the granddaddies of of conferences. It just shows how far the industry has gone, right? It used to be this sort Uh of, you know, risky thing. You'd have a conference about how to convince your company to use open source. And that's just not a conversation anybody has anymore. They're like, we have to use open source. That's how you write software. Yeah. The other thing is, is recently it's been a large conference. But I mean, I remember when, yeah, it wasn't as big a conference. It was just the diehard people out there. And now anybody who's anybody at least talks about open source, even if they're not heavily using and promoting it. Right. So, yeah. And then NPM Inc. just released NPM 5, which is exciting. Congratulations, you guys. Thank you very much. I'm extremely proud of the team who put it together. They have just been absolutely kicked recently. And NPM5 is just the beginning of all of the stuff they have planned. It was, uh, we actually had to stop them. We had to go like, slow down. I need you to put a release on this stuff <laughs> and like get a release out the door and like, you know, save some stuff for NPM6. But the stuff that they're putting together, it's just fantastic. I'm really, really looking forward to just showing everybody what's in it. That's right. Make our lives better and then keep making our lives better. We appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Happy to help. Happy to help. 
Nice. Feel free to slip us a couple of bucks. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to think about that. Let, let's go ahead and jump in on some of these questions that I sent you. The, the first mm-hmm. one that I typically ask is, how did you get into programming? I, I got into programming a couple of times. Sort of I dipped my toe into the water um, before I would say that I became a programmer. I, uh, I went to a computer camp when I was 11 years old. Uh-huh. It was hampered somewhat by the fact that that was the first time I'd ever seen a computer. And I didn't know anybody who had a computer and we didn't have a computer at home. So I would go to the computer camp, enjoy myself enormously, and then go home. And it would be another year until I went to computer camp again before I saw a computer. Because I grew up in Trinidad, which is, you know, a, it's an oh, island wow. in the Caribbean. And yep. it's, not, it's not a particularly rich place. So a computer was a very expensive and rare thing when I was growing up. So around about 1996, the Internet arrived in Trinidad for the first time. And that was when I really got into what I would call programming. That was like everybody else. I you know, got on the Internet and the very first thing I did was like, I want to build my own web page. So, you know, I went on Angel Fire and, you know, slapped together some <laughs> HTML. You know, CSS didn't exist yet. So it was just HTML. Yep. And, and that was how I got into programming. And I was hooked. Uh, I really, really love um, the web. I, I tell people that I'm I'm a web developer first and a programmer second. I'm only I'm only doing the programming because that's what you need to do to build web pages. I really love the web and and it's it's always my driving force. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's funny because you mentioned Angel Fire and yeah, that's that's kind of where I got into. I was in high school and Angel Fire and GeoCities. I think I built sites on both of those way mm-hmm. way long ago. And yeah, then I kind of got away from programming and got back into it. Which GeoCities neighborhood were you? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being Athens and being very, you know, I'm a philosopher. I, oh, I feel good in Athens. <laughs> That's funny. So I'm curious, how do you go from web developer to kind of hardcore JavaScript? It's funny because I'm not really a hardcore JavaScript. Okay. I've been writing JavaScript, you know, since it was invented. You know, it, Netscape released Netscape 2, I guess, was the first one that had that had uh, JavaScript in it, uh, narrowly escaping, calling it LiveScript. <laughs> and I was I'd already started a web development company in high school. So as soon as JavaScript was invented, everybody was like, we must have the JavaScript. So I learned it as soon as it as it existed for the purposes of putting it together. But I, I was never like breaking new ground in JavaScript. Okay. Isaac and I met, oh God, 10 years ago now when we both worked at Yahoo and we were both full-time web developers there. And he was the one who got me into Node, which which got me into JavaScript in a more serious way. He was like, I think this Node thing, it's going to be a thing. I think it's going to be important. You should probably pay attention. And I was like, well, can I build web pages in it yet? And he was like, well, no, not really. And so it wasn't until 2013 he was like, yes, it's ready. You can build web pages in it now. And I was like, all right, we're in. And that was when NPM Inc. really got underway. Nice. Yeah, I guess I just assumed that since you were at NPM and NPM is all things JavaScript, that you were a hardcore JavaScript person. But yeah, so what do you do at NPM Inc. then? Are you still kind of managing web property stuff or? At the beginning of NPM in 2014, I was definitely doing a lot of a lot of programming and putting stuff together. I was the CTO when we started. So Uh I was I was writing a bunch of JavaScript. I was architecting JavaScript. But Mostly what I was doing was recruiting other people to write JavaScript. Oh, okay. um, I'm proud to say that I'm the worst JavaScript programmer at NPM because every time we've hired anybody, I made sure that they were a better JavaScript programmer than I was. And, you know, that means that by definition, everybody's better at it than I am. So, you know, I can do it. But the, the people we have here are the real wizards, the people who put amazing stuff together. What I do is I help make NPM happen. 
I was doing ops. I was doing some of the initial coding on the new version of the registry. I helped architect the registry. I did a ton of recruitment. And these days, I like to joke that my job is sort of like yelling at lawyers and accountants. Um, <laughs> nice. I do I do models and I do data and I do funding. It's a lot of technical mm-hmm. stuff about putting the numbers up behind stuff. But um, yeah, my contribution to JavaScript is 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 to make NPM happen rather than to write any JavaScript in particular. No, that's fair. And I think it's interesting to see that angle on things. Just the, oh, well, I never really thought about yelling at lawyers and and all of the other things that go into making this run, right? We just kind of take for granted that I type npm install on my project and I get all of the stuff I need. And so, yeah, there, there are people in the background, folks, that do all this other stuff <laughs> that is important to make it happen. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the things about open source is that there's a bunch of companies around who don't understand open source. And so they get confused and they do stupid things with lawyers. Like recently, um, this was about a month ago, I think, a magazine called L'Express decided that, you know, they found out that there was this package called Express. In fact, a whole family of packages called Express on the NPM registry. And just through keyword... No, really? What do they do? Just through keyword matching, they were like... You know, these people are violating our copyrights. Oh, they are gosh. stealing our magazine. So they DMCA'd the whole shebang. The entire and the entire Express ecosystem was removed from Google search results. And I had to be <laughs> the one who was like, oh, my goodness, let me get my lawyer to draft your lawyer an email explaining what the hell copyright is, because that's not how it works. Oh, so, yeah. Gosh. So that's my sort of yelling at lawyers job is protecting open source from from overzealous corporations who don't understand what it is. Because, you know, if, if they'd just gone to the authors of, of Express or any of the other open source packages that this kind of stuff happens to, you know, they don't have any lawyers. They don't have any resources. They just get crushed. Um, so NPM is there to sort of be the umbrella for that to the degree that we can possibly manage. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's something that's important because, yeah, it, if you're writing apps in Express, you kind of want Google to work for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, what do you think is your biggest contribution then to NPM? Is it sort of the the back-end wrangling of all of this kind of businessy legal fundraising kind of stuff or, you know, is it hiring the engineers that make the stuff that we, you know, run on our machines or is it all of the above? I mean, h- how do you think about your job and and what it means to everybody else? That's a really interesting and complicated question. It's definitely shifting. If you'd asked me a year ago, it would have been, I am proud of the piece of software that is the registry. Uh-huh. I, I architected the, the first version of that that we released, and it scaled a long way, right? It scaled to 200 si- times its original size. And you know, there's NPM Enterprise, which is another version of the same service-oriented architecture shrunk down to a single Docker container. And it's just sort of intrinsically cool technically that you can take the same architecture and run it at the scale of thousands of machines or one machine and it works that's cool and i was really proud of that but in the years since i moved out of the cto position you know every single piece of that of that service oriented architecture has been upgraded or replaced or changed in some way so it's now very much it's very much cj's creation and i sort of take a sort of second degree pride in what's going on and that, you know, I recruited these people and I kept this team from from busting up and I raised the money that keeps them all paid until we hit profitability. I just really am proud of how NPM has managed to scale both the software and the company and the community behind it. Like 
there's seven and a half million people and getting seven and a half million people to do anything without like dissolving into a gigantic fight is kind of difficult. Like, it's just amazing <laughs> that everyone is so good natured. It's one of those things about NPM is that you hear, you know, it gets into the press when there's a fight, right? It gets into the uh -huh. press when there's some kind of dispute or a fork or, you know, two people are arguing about something, but those are a tiny minority and the, the vast majority, 99.99% of these seven and a half million people, they're just getting along great. And they really like the tool and they're just building websites. And it makes me super happy as, as like I said, one of the a sort of diehard proponent of the web that I build this thing that every day lets people build more websites. That, that makes a lot of sense. I'm a little bit curious. So have you been at NPM Inc. since day one? As a co-founder, I was there at day zero. Yeah. And how did that all come about? You know, did Isaac say, hey, we're going to do this. Do you want to be involved or did you all kind of come up with it together or? So Isaac had been running um, NPM um, on donated hardware and in his spare time when he worked at Joyent on Node, he was the head of the Node project at the time. And NPM sort of became famous for being down all the time mm -hmm. because it was on donated hardware and only one person was working at it and not all of the time. So it would just break a lot. And it, we had a choice at that point. We could try and put it into a foundation um, and subsist on donations, or we could try and wrap a business model around it. We decided to wrap a business model around it because, you know, when you have a business, it scales with the popularity. A foundation, it gets the same amount of donations every year, no matter what is happening with the service. So they get more and more popular with less and less money. But a business, like it makes more money if more people use it. It scales better as a, as a design. So Isaac decided that the way to do this was, was to put a company together. But at the time, you know, the only thing Isaac knew how to do was write NPM. He'd never run a company before. But I had. I'd, I'd done a startup just before that and I was taking some time off. So he was like, who do I know who like knows how to put a company together and knows how to hire engineers and, and knows how to do any of this stuff? I know Laurie, who I've conveniently known 10 years at this point. That will be really good. So, yeah, that was when I got involved. And we, and we uh, formed the company at that point and got our first round of funding in, at the beginning of 2014. Gotcha. So then how do you get from, hey, we've got this idea, we're going to build this business around it to being profitable? Because I know that you raised some money. But that's not the same thing as being profitable. Absolutely. So we are very careful to have to come up with a business model that aligns with our users. So, you know, there's nine billion downloads a month. We could charge a penny a download and we'd be enormously profitable tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But that would be terrible. We would never do that. Um, so instead, we charge for the thing that people are willing to, to pay for, the mm -hmm. thing that that you would be suspicious if we gave it to you for free, which is private packages. If you want privacy, you pay for privacy. So if your company wants its own private NPM enterprise server, we will give you one of those. If you and your team, you know, there's three or four of you want to share packages between yourselves, then you can do that. And, uh, you know, you just sign up on the website. And that that is getting us where we need to be. Enough people have the problem of sharing code within their company and enough people appreciate the convenience of being able to use the single NPM tool to do everything, whether it's public code or private code, that we're going to get to profitability eventually. And we're really looking forward to that. We're really looking forward to be, being able to say, you know, the M M NPM registry is self-sustaining by doing yet more things for the open source community that, that, that they appreciate. 
Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how close you are to profitability or <laughs> is that not something that we should dive into? It's not a question that has a firm answer. We make a certain amount of money right now. And if I needed to, if I knew that we'd never get any money ever again, I would have to lay off a bunch of, of people who work at NPM, but not all of them. Uh-huh. And there would be there would be enough left that we would be profitable tomorrow. And the registry has for a long time covered its its raw operating costs, its servers and its bandwidth. Um, okay. So if we if we needed to, we could survive forever right now. But we'd never build anything new ever again, and life would suck for the people who remained. So when you're talking about a funded company, it's always the case that you know you could become profitable or you could take more money and do more things. Uh-huh. So that's always a thing up in the air. But I am I am confident in the future of NPM. I'm confident that NPM can and will exist forever at this point. So what what are the things that you're working on right now? Well, as we mentioned, we just released NPM 5 today, um, which is like five times faster is the sort of be- the banner feature. It's a lot faster, but it also does a bunch of other stuff really well. And uh, the CLI team are really excited about the new stuff that they're going to be able to put in there that's going to make it easier to deploy and it's going to make it easier to handle front-end packages and stuff like that. The stuff that on the server side that I'm interested in is there's two things that we're going to do. One is we're going to make deployments easier. So lots of people right now, they use NPM to put their software together, and then they also use NPM to deploy their software. They, take, they, they check out their code on a, on a production box, and they run NPM install on a production box, and it downloads all of their dependencies, and then the server is ready to go. Uh-huh. That comes with some risk because, you know, if you didn't have a lock file, NPM 5 puts a lock file by default. But if you didn't have a lock file, then it's possible that the packages would change between what was running on your box and what was running on the mm-hmm. server. Yep. But also, but more importantly, even once you've got NPM 5 and its lock file, you know, that just takes a long time, right? If you have to deploy to a thousand boxes and you each one takes, you know, 30 seconds to deploy, that's a lot of time. And you know what packages need to be there because you've already installed them to your local box. So why would you do it again? So we're probably going to add two new commands to NPM, NPM store and NPM fetch. And NPM store will take your entire node modules directory, your entire app, and cram it into a single file and put that on the server. And NPM fetch will fetch that one single file and put it back onto your production box. And because, you know, the average, the average app has like a thousand dependencies these days, that will be literally a thousand times faster because most of the, most of the speed of, of a deploy is the requests, not the actual bandwidth. Right. So we're really, really looking forward to making people's app deploys a thousand times faster. I think that's a feature people are really going to enjoy. And on the other side uh, is a sort of grab bag of features that we call insights. One of the things about being NPM is that we sit at this sort of nexus of all of the activity of JavaScript in the world. So we see these seven and a half million users doing things. We can see what packages are getting more popular. We can see what packages get downloaded at the same time as other packages. We can tell when a package has a known security vulnerability. We know which how big packages are when they're when they're put into a front end application. You know, we can tell you whether they're slow or fast. Uh-huh. We get 1.2 billion requests a day. That's an enormous amount of data about what JavaScript developers are doing, and we can expose that to JavaScript developers. We can tell you, tell us about your app. You know, tell us what's in your app and we will tell you what about what to do with it. We will tell you this thing will be slow on the front end. You should use this package instead. This thing is a security hold. You should use something else instead. 
we can tell you you're using this package. A lot of people who are using this package have switched to this package recently. You should investigate. We can tell you just by looking at what everybody else is doing, what the best practices are. And that is really useful information to the, to the developers of JavaScript that we can give them. And I don't think anybody else can. So I'm really looking forward to being able to help you not just write JavaScript, but write better JavaScript than you used to. That makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's really exciting, I guess, to be able to get that information because at least in my case, then I can go through that list and say, okay, which of these areas of interest are we not covering on the podcast? Or which of these areas of interest are people really looking into? And, you know, I should look into too, you know, for, for my apps and for my, my things that I have going on. Right. We just have so much information about what JavaScript developers are doing, and we've barely begun to scratch the surface of turning that into useful information for the community about what they can do with it. Nice. Well, that's really exciting. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about as far as your experience as a developer or as a, an enabler of NPM before we go to PICS? Well, I should, I should plug our paid products, obviously. NPM Organizations is, is our SaaS offering for your team to organize their JavaScript and help each other collaborate. NPM Enterprise, if you're a big company and you need single sign-on support or uh -huh. uh, you want security plugins or license auditing, you know, the kind of thing that really big companies care about, NPM Enterprise will give you that. Uh, so I appreciate the opportunity to plug there. Oh, absolutely. All right, well, let's go ahead and go to picks. Do you have any other things you want to shout out about? Have you ever felt like you're falling behind or that the programming world is moving so fast that it's impossible to keep up? Then there's the issue of where to go to make sure you're up to date. The answer is to join a community dedicated to discussing the latest in JavaScript. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you got JavaScript Jabber all day? Well, you can, kind of. We've created a Slack community for JavaScript Jabber. That means that you can connect with our listeners and guests on a platform you're most likely already using. Plus, we've set up a Keeping Current channel that pulls stories from across the web to help you know what people are talking about. And coming soon, we'll be holding monthly webinars and roundtable video chats to connect with experts in the community and with each other. So come join us at javascriptjabber.com slash slack. The thing that I've been shouting out to everybody about recently is this company called Zite, who are doing really, really fantastic things, in particular, a web framework called Next.js. Like I said, we sit at the, at the center of the JavaScript universe, so we can see when something is really popular. And React is really, really popular. It's, you know, React is not a train leaving the station. The train left the station. You're three stations behind. You need to get in a cab and catch up to the train because it's where web development is going. And one of the things that's kind of annoying about React is that you have to sort of get a lot of build chain stuff going to make it work really well. You have to have Webpack. You have to have Babel to really do it properly. And what I love about Next.js is that it's a sort of kitchen sink included framework for React. It will get you up and running and you can just start writing React components without having to master all of the extraneous stuff. Like any, any kitchen sink framework, it has to make a bunch of choices for you in order to do that. To make it simple, it has to limit you a little bit. You probably wouldn't design your second system to use it. But as a prototype, as your first system, just to make sure you know what's going on and, and get some practice with it, it's great. And I've been recommending it to everybody. Very cool. And my other one is uh, my, my favorite web app in the whole world, which I uh, use every time I give a presentation, which is slides.com. If you've ever used a framework called Reveal.js to put together a slide deck, slides.com is, is from the same people. It's, it's Reveal.js as a service, really. And it's just 
a masterpiece of web engineering. It is perfect. There's no edge case. There's no awkward corner. Everything works smoothly. You know, right clicks do what you expect it to do. Copy and paste does what you expect it to do. You can move stuff around. You can resize things. You can scroll through stuff. Like it's just seamlessly and perfectly engineered. And it's just the pinnacle of what web development can be um, when people are at the top of their game. So I like it as a tool. And also I love it as a developer. I'm like, I could be that good one day. Nice. Very nice. I'm going to shout out about a couple of things here myself. One of the first ones is I'm going to be going to... I just barely signed up for the ticket, in fact, and I'm really interested to see how these kinds of things impact development. And that is, I'm going to be going to VMworld, which is uh, VMware's conference. Cool. Um, And that's in Las Vegas in August. So if you're in Las Vegas and you want to hang out or meet up, then definitely check that out. They have products for all kinds of things that I didn't really consider having VM products for, like IoT. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really looking at it getting a little bit more involved there and seeing what's out there. The other thing is, is that I had a really great conversation earlier today, which is the episode right before this with Corey House, who's one of the panelists now on JavaScript Jabber, just talking about the the future of JavaScript and where we think it's going. And I don't know if, I don't know if that made it into the recording or not, but I see a lot of movement in basically three areas, IoT, artificial intelligence, and VR, AR. And so I'm, I'm really curious to get into that. So uh, this is more of a shout out for people to tweet or email me and just let me know if you're looking into some of those things, what resources you recommend, because I'd like to get a little bit more of that content into the shows and just see what else is out there. So yeah, in general, if, if you have something you like, an online course or a book or anything like that, let me know. All right. Well, if people want to follow you on Twitter or GitHub or see what you're doing these days, uh, where are the best places to go to to do that? My Twitter handle is Seldo, S-E-L-D-O. And that is definitely the best way to get in touch with me. All right. Well, thank you for coming. It's it's really interesting to just see the story. And in this case, kind of the, the, the face and the person behind a lot of this work that we just don't think about with this stuff. And and we, I think I speak for everybody in the community just saying how much we appreciate all the work that goes into NPM and a lot of the, the people work that we just don't think about that you wind up doing. So, so thank you from all of us. Well, thank you very much for participating and for having me on your show. Yeah, no problem. We'll wrap this one up and we'll have another one for folks next week. Cool. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.